Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Cody McAuliffe podcast. In this podcast, we share all things on consciousness, mindset, psychology, anything to do with tapping into people's latent superhuman potential. Personally, I believe that every single person has this latent skill, this latent ability within them, which is crying to come out, which is crying to be expressed in the world. And this podcast has been created so that we can actually create that occurring for as many as people as possible. If you're not already, please join the Human Potential Movement Facebook group where we talk about all things uh, human potential and you'll get first access to this podcast. So let's get into the episode. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to today's episode. We have uh, our favorite guest so far, Dr. Cam McDonald. He's done one of the other episodes where we talked about the found, some foundational concepts around um, genetics and how genetics impacts your ability to get into flow. And now we dive deep into team flow and the impacts of that utilizing genetics and people's epigenetic representations to actually understand how to be able to optimize flow in teams. So I'm super excited to be able to share this episode with you. I always love getting uh, some time with Dr. Cam. He is uh, very switched on when it comes to these things, and I love sharing with him. And he's actually one of the one of the uh, ad- he's on our advisory board. So it's amazing to be able to have that resource uh, when required to be able to pick his brain about all of these things when it comes to the depth of knowledge that he has. It's absolutely phenomenal. So let's get right into the episode. So tell me a little bit about like Team Flow. Team Flow. Um, okay, well let's define what Team Flow would be. Uh, team flow is very much about, uh, it's interesting actually, normally you've got a governing direction of where you're all trying to go, but then you've also got individual directions of where everybody is going within that. And I guess it's like, if you were to think about it, it's like a, a river where all the fish are moving in one direction, but you know, the fish aren't necessarily taking a straight track. They're going the way that's easiest for them as an individual. And so, um, you know, team mayhem is when you've got people who are trying to swim upstream, which leaves everyone divided because the strength is when everyone moved together. So I guess this is another way of thinking about it as well is uh, the team achieves what they want to achieve when everyone is doing the thing that they want to do and it's all heading in a congruent direction with a congruent purpose and that, and those things are complementary. Team mayhem essentially is where you've got everyone essentially out for themselves. They're all kind of being pushed along in a particular direction because they're at the same workplace. So they've got a general way that they're all got to go to keep their job, but they're all doing it in conflicting ways. They're swimming upstream or some are swimming slower, some are swimming really fast. And as a result, the strength of the team is diluted because people are going in different directions. Also, uh, and when we start bringing it into the, um, the, the human realm now, not just fish, it's when uh, someone is also doing a job that they're not necessarily good at, but they've got a control freak status about it and they decide that they need to do that job when it's actually a lot faster for someone else to do it in their strength or even in their role and responsibility. So um, to give it a, a really broad like summary of what I've just said, team flow is when we've got a, a joint mission and when we've got everyone moving towards that mission, uh, with respect to other people uh, in a way that is 
honoring their own natural genius. So they feel individually in flow and their contribution also supports the flow and the individual flow of other people towards a, a common purpose or common goal. Uh, and you can see how, <laughs> you know, even talking about that now, you can see how hard that would be to create if you don't have the right information and also how easy it is to not be in that state, you know, cause there's always uh, probably a greater amount of selfishness that we all have where we're not considering other people as well. And so the, the real um, how you've got to create team flow is firstly the company has got to have a really, really clear direction of where it wants to go. It's hired people on. They also want that direction too. It's the, the company has then hired people with an awareness of what type of person they need in each role. That individual needs a significant amount of awareness of how they operate within that role and how they get the most out of themselves. And then that person also needs awareness of other people's and their roles so that when they act, they're acting in respect to the other person's role and also the other person's flow. So there's a whole lot of moving pieces that actually need to occur in order for there to be full team flow, but it's, it's predictable now and, and very easy with the right, with the right measurements. Mm, cool. So what's required then uh, to be able to get an individual inflow to then allow people to, get into team flow then is it just like the genetic component or sorry can you just ask that question you just froze for a couple of seconds uh so how do we get people into team flow then is it just going through and mapping out individual team flows and then reducing conflict to be able to then allow them to be able to get in alignment and congruent with the company is that how it works well you got you've always got to top and tail it you've got to have a really strong company outline and purpose of where they're going and then you need to you essentially set the goal at a top level and then you do all of the work at the, the bottom level. And what I mean by that, the, the company is the top, all the individuals are the bottom. And so you set the goal up here and then you work with each individual. You have to in increase each individual's awareness. Um, both, yeah, and I guess to do that, informing them about like, you know, like let's say we do a PH360 profile on someone, they get, an, they get information on exactly what's going to put their body into flow. Uh, and then there needs to be crosstalk as well to say, well, this is how this person's different and you need to educate that difference and you need to educate communication around those differences as well. You need to educate, you know, why some people need to take a different lunch break and how you can support someone in de-stressing. Like they're not, it's not just awareness of yourself, but you also need to be educated in other people. And when, if you just start educating yourself, you become a lot more aware of yourself and you realize that you're different to other people. Um, even that learning can really start this change. It all starts with awareness of I'm different, they're different. Mm. So uh, what's the best way to be able to create that awareness then? So um, obviously the profiling is, is mandatory for everyone. Um, you have to have that so you're working with their biology. And then the, definitely the ways that we've, we've seen it work in workplaces successfully so far is... Uh, we give people, you know, a four to six week period where they really get to understand themselves. But in that process as well, we make the point of, um, of really showing people uh, how someone else is different. And an example might be, let's say that you're looking at the, the genius or the work-based section of the profile in PH360. And it might say something like, I do really well when 
all the details are logically clearly organized and articulated so that I know essentially, so I know exactly what to do and when to do it and how to do it. And if I've got a list of all of those tasks, I will bash through it. And we typically see that through a, a more ectomorphic brain, so the crusader sensor or even a diplomat as well. But what's interesting is that someone else might have a different statement saying nothing about logic and analysis. And they're actually just really good at, um, talking to people and selling people on things. And so normally in a group setting, what we do is we'd, we'd say, okay, what does it say in your genius section? And that first statement about logic and analysis and everything being well articulated comes out. The, the question that you need to ask is, well, how do you feel when everything's outlined? And, that, and this is in front of a group and they go, well, I feel amazing. I feel clear. I feel productive. I feel this. And then you ask everyone, well, hands up who wants this person to feel like that all day. And everyone puts their hand up because no one wants people to feel bad. And then what happens if things aren't articulated well? And what happens if you don't have a clear understanding of how and what and why? Are they going to say, well, I start feeling really confused. I start getting jammed up. I start procrastinating. I feel less productive. I feel de-energized. And then you say, well, hands up, who wants, who wants them to feel like this all day, you know? So, and then you throw it out to the group and you say, well, if we were going to support this person with this trait, like we know that if we're going to give them directives or if we're going to have a talk to them about project management, all that sort of stuff, we know that we need it to be clearly outlined. Um, how do we support that person in feeling really good about it? And they go and, and then we throw it out to the group and the group start brainstorming about how they can make sure that that environmental piece is satisfied for that person. And so what it does straight away is it makes the person very, very aware of these small things that can actually create a lot of stress or can create a lot of flow. These small things um, have a huge impact. So that those first two questions really start that internal reflection piece. But then when you throw it out to the group, people start thinking, oh, I can actually make a person feel better by being more articulate with my instructions which isn't something that we normally consider. And so that, that awareness is really, really important because then, you know, there might be an activator in the room or a connector um, who says, oh, I don't actually need that much detail. I'm just going to be happy to be pointed in a direction and I can just fire away. And to bore me with all the detail is actually painful. And that's a really nice question to ask is how, how is anyone different to that? Who doesn't need as much detail? Who doesn't need things to be articulated? Who likes to have more lateral kind of scope to the way they do things and in that way you can open up a really great conversation about what makes people feel great what makes people feel bad and the really important frame for all of this is you know normally we just talk about nutrition and exercise and you know am i working in a job that i love well it might be that the way that you're getting given instructions or the timing that you're doing things or the air conditioning being on all of those things can actually be messing with your flow and you're not even thinking about it because you're not aware of it so um it's the first thing is to be aware of all of the different factors that can actually play into hit and miss with flow. And then the second component to that is um, making sure that everyone is aware of each other's differences, at least the principle that everyone is different. So it can start up a really great dialogue because this is the thing, you know, it takes us a long time for us to get to know each other, get to know ourselves even. So, but it's a start the dialogue of I'm different, you're different. Let's actually work that out. That's, that's the value because from that point you can always create um, a really thorough, um, understanding and and you don't get to the point where you're having volcanoes erupting you you you're putting out spot fires the whole way along through good communication which is essentially what good human living is all about is is effective communication 100 mm, percent. like what i find when i'm working 
with people or and teams as well is that there are three kind of phases that people need to go through. The first one of those is self-awareness, so they understand who they are and how they relate to the world, then self-mastery, so they actually can uh, master that skill, and then self-expression. So it's actually getting to that point of self-expression of, of their job or the team that they're in being an expression of who they truly are rather than trying to fit certain things that they're not. And that starts with that foundational self-awareness and using that genetic profiling technology to be able to uh, determine exactly what that is and have that person know what's best for them rather than go through a standard uh, kind of disc profile or any other profiling method, which is only based on questions instead of biology, just creates a, a dramatic difference in terms of the, the outcomes for those, for those companies. Um, yeah. When it, when it comes to uh, team flow, you touched on stress. Is is that like the predominant block for anyone when it comes to flow? Well, um, like stress is a pretty broad term. Stress can be really positive. I'll say, you know, there's two types of stress. There's eustress, then there's distress. Uh, so when you're exercising, you go through a eustress. If you exercise too much, you go through a distress. So, you know, laughing is a stress, but it's a eustress. So um, I would say... Uh, essentially flow is, is when you're in eustress. Um, like you have to break from flow. Flow isn't this eternal energy supply. Like you are using a lot of energy um, and but you're just using it in a very efficient way. You still need to break from it. Um, the things that really block uh, flow are definitely distress, things that disrupt you. So essentially when you're, when you're in flow, typically uh, you're doing one thing and it might be you're multitasking, but that multitasking is one thing. You're like working on a few things at once. If you're then having to battle cold and you're having to battle, you know, someone yelling at you and you're then battling, you know, a sore leg and a sore back, all of those different stress signals are coming up saying it's too cold. I'm sore. This person's angry at me. All of those stress signals are coming up to your brain in order to stay in focus and to stay in, you know, very present with the thing that you're trying to be in flow with. Um, and you might be in physical flow on the dance floor, you know, cutting shapes, having a great time. You might be in, um, you know, mental flow where you're really, you're engaged, you're, you're public speaking. You might be in, you know, admin flow where you're just knocking through tasks really quickly. Um, when you've got other stress signals coming up, you've got this part of your brain that essentially has to filter out and stop those stress signals having an impact on the front part of your brain where you're doing some of your work. And so any time that you've got other stresses coming in, it's going to be taking away from your tolerance because your filter's only so big. You can only stop so much getting through before you start reacting, before you start shouting at that person, before you have to get up to, to change the temperature, before you have to adjust position or do a stretch to reduce the pain. So anything that's uh, and it could even be you know, a bad meal with it's creating a bit of digestive upset, something like that. Anything that's essentially creating a discomfort will, and, and a, a discomfort that's not particularly helpful, like exercise is uncomfortable, but it's, it's still productive if you rest afterwards. Um, anything that's creating an, an, an unwanted discomfort is going to be blocking flow. And so that could be a personality clash. That could be a food thing. It could be an exercise thing. It could be a lack of sleep thing. So yes, any of those things can create a stress. Uh, and any of those things will reduce your ability to be present and reduce your ability to, to stay dialed into that one particular task. Mm, cool. So how do we start to then uh, start to overcome personality clashes? So if you've got two different genetic types, how do we, how do we 
allow them to be able to work together instead of fighting against each other and creating conflict consistently. Yeah. Well, the, the most important thing firstly is knowing that you're in control of your response is really important. Um, and this is where the awareness piece is really, so, you know, there is no fuel. Like, ultimately the fire in a, in a relationship will be two sided. It's never one sided. If one person is cool as a cucumber, the fire won't actually take off. It'll just stay as a little spark. And so at all times, and this is where we all need to step down off our ego pedestal a little bit. And it's something that everyone has to do all of the time is it doesn't matter who's right or who's wrong in your perception. If you're fighting, you're adding to the flame. Like that's it. And there is no, sometimes it's helpful to be strong. Uh, but I would say in the, in the general sense of things, ultimate strength is not having to say anything and knowing that you're okay with, you know, whatever this person's feeling. So the, um, the first thing with that is understanding what are the things that frustrate you? You know, let's say that someone gives me a, a task that's not well outlined. That would frustrate me because I'm a logical, well-articulated task type person. But then I think to myself, okay, is this person, well, you know, I, I can see myself getting frustrated because this task isn't articulated well. Now I've got a few different, you know, pathways for how I want to react. And so I can react in a way of like, well, this, you know, I'm not going to do it because it's not outlined well and I can ignore it. I can specifically say to the person, no, nah, I'm not doing it because you haven't outlined it well enough or no, I'm not doing that task just because, you know, not even give them a reason. I can really take that low grade, um, uh, you know, challenging effect of just saying, because it's not exactly how I want it, I don't want to do it. Or I could say, I'm going to give it a crack. And I'll see what I do because I don't want to, you know, tell them that they haven't done a good job. That's where you can you know, take a backseat completely. But then you could also say, all right, I know that my brain gets frustrated by things not being articulated well. In order for my brain to work best, I'm going to need this better articulated. Now, I understand that this person is, so firstly, I'm not going to let it bother me because I understand that not everyone thinks the same way that I do. Not everyone puts the same level of detail into things. And so I can see how my biology might react to an inarticulated task, but I'm not going to buy into that. I'm still an observer of my biology. I'm not in my biology unless I want to be, in which case I'm throwing the sheet back at them and saying, I'm not doing it. You know, that's, that's living in it and being frustrated in it and not being aware of your thoughts. So, but if you're aware that this is a, a thing that makes your brain feel good or bad, you can then observe whether it makes your brain feel good or bad or not. You go, Oh, you know what? It actually doesn't make me feel too bad. It's just not going to be super helpful for me right now. If I don't know exactly what I've got to do, then the next step is saying, right, well, who is the person who's just given me the task? Well, they're a, they're an activator or a connector. And they actually, this amount of information would be perfect for them. Plus they know the role really well and they know exactly what they want from me. They don't need to give as much description to feel like it's well articulated in their mind. They've probably delivered the perfect instruction and so if I was to look at my mind and I think, well, it's going to frustrate me a little bit, but then I can also say their mind probably thinks this is a perfect job in this way. My biology would, would tell me that I should be frustrated, but this is called transcending. So I'm just transcending and saying, I can see that my brain is, is going to be annoyed by this, but I don't need to take part in that. And then I'm going to think about why do you think this happened? And why is it relevant to this person that it happened that way too? And in that way, by having an awareness of yourself and what annoys yourself, which sometimes we're not that aware of, and we're just getting frustrated because we're getting frustrated. And this is where the profiling can really articulate that well and often does. Um, you can also then get 
get a sense of why that person may have given right job, which is completely acceptable, in which case everyone's trying to do their job to the best of their ability. And if you go in with that frame as well to say, hey, this is awesome, really excited to be working on this with you, um, in order for my brain to feel really comfortable with this and so that I get it right and so you get exactly what you want, I just need these three or four things articulated really well. And then I just ask the questions until I have the task right. I could spend time in frustration or I could spend time engaging in a really cool conversation and now we get a better working relationship as a result as well. So the, when we're talking about, def and I, I guess this question started with how do we diffuse the fire and how do we diffuse tension? Well, you've got to take ownership of what's your biology telling you? What are you noticing about your biology? What do you know about their biology? What do you know about their background? How can you put that together to think if ever, and this is a really int important thought that I would, I would recommend people take on um, if you're going to, you know, it's up to you, of course. I don't want to put thought <laughs> forms into your brain, but I, I would suggest this is a really good way of, of managing communication is that I've done hundreds of, of talks in my time and often I ask the question, um, does anyone want anyone in this room to walk out less healthy? No one puts their hand up except for the odd smart ass every now and again. And uh, every single person in the room wants every other person in the room to walk out healthier. That's everyone wants that. And so if you come from a frame of this person is doing everything they can with the tools they have to care for me, it is actually their intention. They may not have the tools to express it in a really articulate way, but they are definitely doing everything that they can to protect themselves and to care for me in the same in the same time. And if you have that thought process at all times, you come at these conversations with a, a very different frame. And it often means that you often think of other people first as well, or at least consider other people in your thought processes, which then decreases the tension once again. And then the other thing as well is that you have no control over people. So you only have control over yourself. Some people aren't ready for that conversation where you go, oh, politely, oh, I'd really love some more detail. They may come back because they've just had the worst sleep of their life. They might've just had a breakup with their girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever it is. They may have just had a really bad meal and their guts are off and they have an exercise in three weeks and they absolutely love exercising. And you get them on a day where they're really tired and all of those things are com combining together and you say, hey, I just love a bit more detail. And they you know, tell you to go away with a bunch of profanities. You can just say, well, this person is obviously stressed. There's like what I said, there's no way that reaction matched up to the response. I could buy into it and get into a fight with them. But when you're coming from that space of, I know what affects me, I know what frustrates me, you also have sympathy for how other people might be frustrated well. And it gives you a greater frame of reference for diffusing those things. Mm, cool. So that that can only be achieved with the foundation of understanding of each individual and having all of their self-awareness at a high level. Is that right? Well, yes, absolutely. And you know, you can, you can spend years and years, you know, navigating yourself and understanding people, but so few people actually spend that time and we don't have the time in, in many cases, you know, our job is to do other things. And so, you know, the, I sent, essentially the, the profile in PHO 60, it just fast tracks that information so that you just get the information you're working from it rather than, you know, trying to intuit it. And it takes, I've met people who have intuited themselves and understand themselves and are in a really good space. And they are so few and far between. And I would say, I'm not one of those people. I needed a checklist of why people are different. And once I kind of memorized the checklist, now I'm way better at people, you know, like I'm not a, a particularly gifted uh, lover of all people, but I have so much more appreciation for everyone now. 
and it, it, it enables and, and like the whole love thing is actually much, much easier now um, and becomes much more natural when I understand that people are different and how they're different too. So the, um, the, you can understanding that foundational biology piece, that's where we react. That's where all of our reactions come from. We are, we are driven by biology, whether it's how we think about the world, how we, processed food like it's all related to our our biology and so having a foundational understanding of that is absolutely vital mm -hmm. and like sounds like it goes like really really deep into this information and can be overwhelming how to how is it best to be able to navigate that potential overwhelm when it comes to team flow yep so the like the easiest thing probably two points one is going with an assumption that you are different and you think differently to every single other person in the room. Uh, and I guess that there's a, a one a to that one as well. Like if we've got like a, a principle number one and then one a one a is that everybody's trying to achieve the same goal, you know, so you're different and everybody's trying to achieve the same goal. Number two is um, communicate authentically as yourself and transparently until you get the clarity that you want. And then try and create a forum in which you can express this type of clarity makes me feel good. And then, but, and then allowing other people to have that expression as well. Like, well, being able to say these things makes me feel good, you know, and, and essentially having a, not just a good communication, but also a reflection of the communication and how it's gone bad or how it's gone well, uh, how it's gone well, that type of interaction will give you a lot of insight into people as well, even if you didn't have the biological foundations. And so if you firstly have the assumption that everyone's different and we're heading towards the same goal, secondly, articulate what you need and how it makes you feel when you get it. Uh, and when you start doing that, people will start becoming aware because people genuinely, if you tell them this makes me feel amazing, unless they've got a particular streak of asshole in them, they will naturally rotate to do things that, that want to support you. And so, um, and then there'll be the cheeky people who do the opposite just because, and I'm one of those people, you know, every now and again, but then I back it up with the majority nice stuff. And so um, it's understanding that dynamic and it just opens up better communication. So know yourself and then communicate and then accept others for their differences in their communication style. And that's probably the easiest way to enter into all of this without knowing all of the science. Hmm, cool. And do you have any uh, kind of case studies of where team flow uh, has been created effectively and what are the outcomes from that experience? Yeah. Yeah. We had um, a, uh, actually as part of the PH360, when we were testing a lot of these principles, we had 30 people in a retreat over in Mexico. Um, they were all working on PH360. This is quite a few years ago now and uh, getting it developed um, and sort of putting things in place for, the Shea notifications and all of that sort of stuff. Um, so what they did is that irrespective of um, what your job role was before you turned up to this retreat, um, they called it the Flojex. Uh, it didn't matter what your job role was, what you thought you were good at, when you thought you were good at it, it doesn't matter. Essentially, they got people to turn up and just follow their profile. So if it meant to sleep in, like diplomats get to do virtually no work until 12 p.m., so they get to sleep in, have a chilled out, do some planning, do some chatting, do some socializing, and then they work in the afternoon. And even if they feel more natural to try and do work 
in the morning because that's what they've trained themselves to do. They were told that you cannot work. You have to follow your, your genius profile. And so uh, what happened, there was uh, like some crazy things that happened. Firstly, um, the most amount of work that we've ever seen come out of our group came out of that, um, that 30 day period. Um, secondly, what we found as well is that when you put people into their safe zone, which is essentially when they follow the rhythm of their body and in their natural day, it starts, it starts taking down the guarding that we have as humans. So when we, when we have trauma, we guard it, we hold it in because we don't want to express it because it, it's painful to express it. And so what, what started happening incredibly was a lot of people were actually letting go of a lot of the things like their self-consciousness and their lack of lack of worth and all of that sort of stuff, just because they felt safe, their body felt safe, eating the right food, doing the right kind of work, uh, doing it in the right kind of way, sharing that space with other people as well. People came out of it having gone through an incredible personal development, even though there was absolutely no content delivered on that, just because their body was in a state of, of, of safety. And imagine bringing that to a workplace where everyone who turns up actually feels more safe as a result of coming to work because they're getting honored for being who they are. They're working when they should, when they're supposed to. And so as a result, we have, you know, uh, a, a cohesion and, and virtually no friction. People kind of would just socialize when it told them to socialize and that would turn into some work for the afternoon. Um, it just actually, the, the jobs would just inter, interlace there was no set structure for how things had got to be done. People just worked on their own individual schedule towards an individual, uh, towards a, a governing goal. Um, and when they did that, uh, the, the, the serendipitous, you know, the coincidences and of just people showing up at the right time to work on the right project. It's amazing how much that just increased. And now you could just put that down to whatever you want to put it down to, but this is what we're seeing. And when we, we see it in, in probably less intensive examples in the workplace, we have, you know, a group of diplomats and a group of activators constantly butting heads. The activators wanting to really forge ahead and take risk and the diplomats wanting to be really conservative. And what we see now is the activators having one or two moments before they act to make sure they don't put the diplomats in a compromised position and create more work for them what they can do because they do it very thoroughly. And the diplomats also have more faith in the activator to actually make a deal, get across the line, even with less information, knowing that they can cover it up on the back end and, and still make it work. And essentially the activators say, yes, we can do this. And the diplomats can ensure that it happens. And when, when those two groups come together now, it actually is a really supportive environment of, yep, we've got to trust you on that one. And yep, we've got to take a step back and not jump as far ahead on this one. And so in that space, people then start, uh, being a lot more cohesive and, and don't want to leave that workplace as well. So there's a, a really great piece for staff retention in there too. Mm. So how do we get to the point then of um, basically understanding your genetics, but then also knowing when to then move towards transcending like the genetic component or the natural tendencies then? Yeah. Well, I would say that, um, it can transcending can happen straight away. Like you transcend if anyone's got kids or if anyone's actually got, um, you know, if anyone's managed to stress at work, well, you've transcended it before. So the capacity to transcending happens immediately. Uh, but I guess the, if you were to think about it in a really logical flow of um, structure, which is what my brain enjoys. Um, the first thing is awareness. So I'm aware of my body and how I interact. 
And what's going to happen the first time is that when you get triggered or you get, um, you know, uh, stressed, your brain is going to respond the way it used to because you've got a habitual, you've got a habituation of responding in a negative way or whatever it might be. But what's going to happen is you're going to catch that thought faster and faster. It might be, you know, in the past, someone puts a job down your desk that you don't like, you give them a profanity and you tell them to go away. Um, that's, you know, entry point. And then you become more aware. You say, oh, so you still do the same thing the second time around, but you go after the fact, you go, oh, that was me being frustrated. And that's how I respond when I'm frustrated. And then the next time, just as you're about to do the profanity thing, you go, oh, I felt the feeling, but I'm not going to say it this time. And I've learned, so that's good. And then after that, you go, uh, you know, the next stage is as the thought is being formulated of being frustrated or not, you go, oh, there's that thought. Oh, and there's another one. Okay, what decision do I want to make right now? Uh, and then, you know, essentially, as you become more and more aware and you practice it more and more, the time between the thought coming and you reflecting on it shortens. And so, so much so that um, you'll get to a point where you are reflecting on the thought before the thoughts even really formed and you've already started walking down a different pathway towards that transcended thought. So um, the first part is really understanding yourself and, and being, I think the, probably the most important thing here is honest reflection of yourself. So uh, you go, you know what? I was a bit of an asshole just then. I didn't need to say that. I didn't need to be so blunt. I didn't need to be so direct. I could have got that result through a different direction. All right, I might try that differently. If you wanna stay in your ego, that's also fine too or at least the ego that's probably less mature. Um, the, if you want to stay there, that's fine. And just say, nah, there's nothing wrong with me. They just need to get better at their work. You'll just create a lot more tension at your work and life's probably going to be, um, it's going to be full of more conflict essentially. And so this is, it's about having a really honest conversation as well. what could I bring to this situation that is better? Um, and how can I improve on that each day? And so that would be the, that would be the pathway for me. Mm-hmm. And is there any impact on, uh, say, if an activator continuously suppressed the anger that was coming up or the frustration? Would there be an impact of that then? Does that become transcending it or does that become suppression of what's going on for that individual? Yeah, yeah. So, and that's where, um, like, in an unaware state, uh, the suppression can lead to very poor health, like frustration. And for an activator, like, you know, if you, uh, it can actually lead to joint pain in some cases when they get really inflamed. So um, the, uh, it's about, it is about the awareness of feeling that feeling. So, and this is the thing where an activator, for example, they feel a, a fire, like it comes up and it's just, it, it's an explosive energy. Now, there's no good or bad about that energy. It's just energy. It's just got to come out. And the, the problem is that we frame it as anger. But, and, and what happens when you think it's anger, like someone comes and puts a bad job on your desk and you get angry at them um, and then you don't say anything and you just sit there stewing on why you're angry at the world and how you're not happy, then definitely, yes, that's going to end in, in poor health. But what can happen is that that energy comes up. It's just your impression, your perception is that it's anger. But actually what it is, is it's, I really need to get something off my chest because this job um, is really important to me. It's not positioned in the right way. There's a bunch of stuff going on in my, in my life and this has been a tipping point and there's lots of energy that's going to erupt as a result of that. 
I'm going to go run up and down the stairs. And it's the same as yelling at somebody. You still experience the same feeling, but you process it in a really positive way. And in that way, it doesn't actually have a negative effect on you. Um, and so then you come back after you've run up and down the stairs, which is actually a recommendation for activators. You come back and you say, um, you know, like, so this job, I would love if it was this way in future, um, blah, 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 blah. So yes, if you're suppressing in an unaware state, it will create uh, ill health, irritation, frustration, depression, and anxiety, whatever it may be. And we did a, a poll of this at a, at a previous talk uh, with uh, 300 lawyers. And we did some live polling on how much of your day are you actually spending in a suppressed state where you're not being able to act with your natural instincts. And over 80% of people were spending more than half their day suppressing themselves, suppressing themselves on how they wanted to express themselves. Now, they see that as negative, and you know, it is when they're doing it in an unaware state and getting frustrated that they have to suppress, that they can't be themselves. But if they say, the reason why I'm running up and down the stairs now, or the reason why I'm suppressing this now is because I need to stay balanced for this person so that I can hold a neutral state for them so that I don't get emotional in the discussions that we're about to have and so that I can keep my job and I can still hit my targets. So I'm going to release that stress later on today or I'm going to do a process of quickly jotting down a few words and just really express it onto a bit of paper or I'm just going to excuse myself and run up and down the stairs, whatever it might be. And so it's, it's about that lack of awareness. If you have lack of awareness about your anger, then that's when we're going to run into trouble. Uh, if you have awareness about it, you can channel it into a, into a great place and actually use it to give you more energy and to, uh, to motivate. You can actually take that fire and get really excited about informing this person about how they can deliver jobs to you better. You can use that as a real engagement of energy and in that way you can channel it. So once you've got, once you've got an awareness, you can direct that energy anywhere you like and that's the beauty of that, that transcendence is you're in charge of your energy and how you spend it. Mm, cool. So you talked about awareness a lot. What, what are the differences that you notice around people who have done work on themselves but then get their profile done to be able to understand themselves on a different level? How, how much impact do you see uh, for those people that have already done a lot of work on themselves and then to be able to find out like all of their, the genetic predominances as well? What's the difference there? Yeah, so th there's a few different grades of people who have done work on themselves. Like, Let's say that you look at ultimate self-development masters, people who teach self-development, live it and breathe it every day. Mm. They, the, the statements that we've had from experts like that, and some of them are really big within social media scenes and all of that sort of, excuse me, that sort of stuff. The comment was, I've been trying to figure myself out for 30 years and this thing told me in 30 minutes. And so uh, then like that, so they're the masters, the people who are really, really good. They go, yeah, I know all that. I resonate with it completely. I do that stuff anyway. Like this is just good confirmation. Often they're not the people we're trying to get to. We're trying to, uh, that, that helps them because there's a, be a whole lot of stuff and specifics around their food that can still be improved and even how their physical place, they may not have considered that. Um, but then you have people who are on the self-development path who are in a really good state, are aware of most things. Um, what happens with them is that they go, ah, oh, I, I thought that was the case. This confirmed it for me. And so there's like a, uh, people have got strategies that they think work for them and they go, yes, now I'm absolutely confirmed that I was right in my inkling because people who aren't fully master, mastering this stuff yet, 
they still have outside influence that other people do other things and other things work for other people. And they're kind of thinking, well, I think this works for me, but does it, you know, cause it really worked well for another person. And maybe I should do a bit more of that. It actually allows them to say, yes, this is exactly where I found the most benefit. And that's exactly what I've got to get back to. And so it really cements their inklings, if that makes sense. They had an idea, but this really confirms it for them and takes that doubt away, which is a really rewarding experience for them. Um, and so they, they're the sort of the two grades of people that we, we often see is people who, um, and, and, and then sometimes I would say that people who are really well developed will often create a habit and be really disciplined around that habit, but it's actually not that effective for them. And they'll go, Oh, I've been wondering what, like, not wondering why, but that makes so much sense that that frustrates me. And they can actually then tweak because they're so well developed. They've got great discipline. They can do anything with their brain. This kind of sells, if you want a bit more like, you know, five to 10%, this is where you can get it. And it really resonates with them. And actually they don't realize that it's like having a park break on at the same time when you're doing something that's not completely designed for your brain. And they, it gets them to take their park break off. And so they can go even faster and feel even more freer. Hmm. Awesome. So I guess getting your genetic testing done then allows you to shortcut that 30 years of self-awareness to be able to step into the mastery of self on a faster rate with up your art. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The epigenetic profiling is really important that we're um, measuring phenotype and epigenetics. Uh, it's essentially, yeah, it's like the quickest insight into how your brain works, how your body responds to the environment around it. Like who essentially who wouldn't want that information? Like we're, we're walking around with 17,000 different diets that we can do. We walk around with, you know, uh, our different, oxygen producing plants and our, um, our different exercise modalities and our different work strategies. It's, it just brings all of that into focus and just says, this is what you should do. This is going to be the most effective strategy for you. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Thanks again for your time. Dr. Cam, really appreciate you sharing your wisdom. Where can people get in contact with you? Uh, easiest way, depending on your, um, your general influence, uh, health professionals, Courses AU at ph360.me if you're looking to get uh, trained up. If uh, people who just want to ask questions, probably the best place is Dr. Cam's Health Spot, which is just a Facebook page, Dr. Cam's Health Spot. If you can jump on there, that's all good. And then for any speaking engagements, things like that, just drcammcdonald.com.au. Cool. Awesome. Thanks again. Thanks, mate. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of the Cody and Paul podcast. Stay tuned for our next episode. And in the meantime, be sure to check out our private Facebook group, The Human Potential Movement. Just search that on Facebook and you'll be able to find us and join that group to join the conversation around all of these episodes and learn even more about how to unleash your own latent superhuman potential. See you on the next episode, guys, and thanks for listening.